Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Wednesday show for week 22. That is March 15th of 2023. Uh, I'm your host, Carson, of course, on a Wednesday here, joined by my Wednesday co-host and good friend, Justin. How are you doing today, Justin? I'm doing fantastic. It's great to be back. How are you doing, Carson? I'm doing good, too. We're glad to have you back, and it's going to be another great show. We, we we were talking before we started about how it's a little bit later than we normally do, so Hopefully that won't lead to a little bit of uh, silliness. We'll do our best to uh, keep that in check. But uh, that the being said, the drought is over. I have returned. The drought king is over. has come back. Although <laughs> the king is only here on Wednesdays. That's true. Yeah, I, it's a it's an important. Uh, I mean, midweek you're coming in to check on things, see how things are going, make sure we're not, you know, messing it up in your absence, and then. <laughs> but no, yeah. I feel a little. I feel a little bit like Aragorn from Lord of the Rings, but mm-hmm. then I guess that makes you like Denethor, the guy who eats sure. the cherry tomatoes and gets burned alive. He stands as like Squire of Gondor while Aragorn's gone. Oh yeah, that's, of course. That's me. I've I've returned, and you are the the Weasley guy that wants to get his own son killed. There we go. No, I got to be honest with you. Um, I have tried a couple of times to watch through all the Lord of the Rings movies, but I have failed to do so. So. I really don't know a ton of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I know about the Baggins because I got that far in the movie where they explain a little bit of that background, Frodo and Bilbo and all that, but that's about it. Oh, and then I know Gandalf, but um Your your hoop dreams are just not, I guess, elevated enough. Or maybe you're too elevated for nerd culture. No, I'm there, dude. Basketball I, culture. I just barely finished up first season of uh Legend of Korra, so Take that. Oh, so take that. <laughs> Anyways, all, all right. right. We're, we're, we're going to go ahead and get started with the show here. Let's dive right into it. Uh, last night's games, uh, we had eight games total. The first of these being uh, not much of a surprise. Cleveland Cavaliers winning in Charlotte against the Hornets, 120 to 104. I really don't mean to be, you know, it's no offense to the Hornets fans or the Hornets in general. It's just, you know, more of a season where they're going to be looking towards the future as far as developing some younger talent. Uh, draft situation, that type of thing. So, uh, yeah, the Caps win this one. Um, not too – I mean, back and forth in the first quarter, Cavs take a lead after that, and then uh, they kind of control the game from there, led by as much as 26 points as they won this game. Uh, for the Hornets, they were led by Kelly Oubre Jr. He had 28 points and six rebounds. He's really stood out over the last few weeks for them uh, in their bright moments. Terry Rozier, 22 points, nine assists. He's been strong as well. Uh, 10 points from Hayward, 11 off the bench for JT Thor. Meanwhile, for the Cavs, uh, they had 26 points from Evan Mobley starting at center in place of Jarrett Allen. Uh, I think he has a minor day-to-day type injury. Uh, 24 points off the bench from Jetty Osman. 22 points for Karis LeVert, uh, along with four steals. Impressive uh, defensive numbers there, along with four of five from three-point range. So nice game for Karis LeVert. Starting in place of Donovan Mitchell, not sure what the situation is there. I imagine another minor injury, hopefully that's the case. Uh, And then 19 points for Darius Garland. So nice all-round game for the Cavs to get a win against the Hornets, uh, Hornets rather, uh, fairly handily. Next, uh, this one's sort of in the same category. These teams a little bit closer, but the Washington Wizards won at home against the Detroit Pistons, 117-97. to NBA.com calls it a rout of the Pistons. Um, and I guess it sort of was. I mean, leading by 20 ish points for most of the game, that's that's a pretty good route, if you're going to call it that. Um, for the 
Pistons, it was Killian Hayes. He had 20 points and seven assists. James Wiseman, 12 points, 10 rebounds, 16 points for Rodney Magruder. That's kind of the, the notables there for the Wizards. Bradley Beal, 36 points, seven assists, six rebounds. Great all-around game for him. Uh, 18 points for Porzingis. 16 points for Corey Kisper, who continues to start for them. He's really elevated his play this sophomore season. Uh, 13 each for Monte Morris and Denny Abdia as the Wizards get the win there. Uh, so those two first two games, not too crazy. This one's interesting, though. The Toronto Raptors win at home against the Denver Nuggets, 125-110, to 110, uh, including a 49-point first quarter from the Raptors, uh, and the Nuggets continue to struggle lately. Uh, they did push things, you know, close in the fourth quarter. They cut the lead to as many as few as, you know, four or three points. Uh, but then the Raptors took that lead, you know, built that lead back up and ended up winning the game. Uh, for the Nuggets, they still had strong performances from Jokic, 28 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, uh, 23 points for Michael Porter Jr., 18 for Aaron Gordon, uh, 14 points, nine assists for Jamal Murray. Uh, the Raptors, though, all their starters scored in double figures led by the former All-Star, Fred Van Vliet, his 36 points, 7 assists. Uh, and he was 8 of 12 from three-point range. Very impressive. 24 points for OG Ananobi, 18 points for Scotty Barnes, and 12 each for Siakam and Jakob Pertl, uh, as they get a very impressive win there. Uh, we've gone through a few games. Let's maybe stop there for just a second. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, Justin, your thoughts on Denver's slump lately, if it's like the Celtics uh, last week where it's, you know, just a week, you know, one week thing and they're going to kind of rebound from that. Or is this something we should be more concerned about with Denver? Maybe your thoughts on that. I think as of right now, Denver is going through some level of fatigue late in the season. Mm. Um, and it could be that they're just slowing a little bit in order to try to place themselves in the playoffs. I think they're fantastic right now. Um, <clears throat> there are more, traditionally lined up team i know you like that a lot they've got a point guard they've got a shooting guard they've got a center they've got forwards who can switch between small or power forward they've they've got a really solid lineup a lot of dudes that can score um but i just think they they didn't play very good defense in the first half and a dude named fred absolutely burned them so they got they got cooked by a short canadian guy named fred and if they can prevent that in the future, I think they'll be in a much better place. I, I thought you were going to go with the Drake thing. They got cooked by Drake. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> there's Yeah, there's a lot I could say there, but I'm tired, and I feel like it's probably best if I just try to focus on making this entertaining but still educational, and we don't want to go way too off course. So yeah, but no, to I, not railroad us. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And uh, no, yeah, I, I think that's probably right, uh, pretty accurate as far as, you know, late in the season, they they really had some dominant stretches. And so you can expect a bit of slippage, but probably, you know, if it continues for another week or two going into the playoffs, then we probably have some more questions to, to ask and to answer for that team. But yeah, uh, I would probably agree with that. Uh, let's jump to that next game. The Oh, sorry, do you have one more thing you're going to say? Yeah, I was going to add the coach of the Nuggets, Michael Malone. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a quote on NBA.com. He said, right now we're just in chill mode and we really shouldn't be in chill mode with 13 games to go in the season. Uh, we got to find a way to get our swagger back. Mm-hmm. So I think the Nuggets have kind of just been on cruise control. They've been coasting for a while and I think it, it may catch up to them, but 
they're most likely going to make the playoffs. And so I think that's when they're going to try to drive it home. Right. No, that makes sense. Thank you for bringing that quote in. That really, you know, sums it up better than maybe even we could have. But uh, yeah, great point. Um, Let's jump to that next game. The Los Angeles Lakers winning in New Orleans against the Pelicans. They win that game 123 to 108. And they have a really uh, hot first half. Um, They led by as much as 40 points. That lead was cut down a bit, but they never trailed in this game uh, in a very convincing and very important win against a fellow team looking for that play-in position in the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, For the Pelicans, they were led by uh, Brandon Ingram in his return after a little short hiatus. He had 22 points, six rebounds, six assists, doing all he can for this team. Trey Murphy cooling off a bit from his previous game in which he had a career high. Uh, He had 20 points in this one. Uh, 20 points as well for Herb Jones, uh, the other at at the guard alongside McCollum, who had 13 points, nine assists. Uh, Valanchunas, 10 points. Those were their double-figure scorers, all the starters. Meanwhile, for the Lakers, Anthony Davis, 35 points, 17 rebounds. He has been very stellar these last few weeks in the Lakers' push for the play-in and the playoff position. Uh, Malik Beasley, 24 points as he starts at that guard alongside the recently returned D'Angelo Russell, who had 17 points, uh, two steals and two blocks, getting it done defensively along with the scoring. A couple guys off the bench with some nice scoring, 14 points for Austin Reeves, 12 for Rory Hachimura, and the Lakers get a nice win there against the Pelicans. Uh, Let's jump to that next game as well, the uh, Thunder getting a nice win at home against the Brooklyn Nets, one twenty-one to one hundred seven, uh, and they they've gone a little bit of a run lately themselves. Uh, they it was a touch back and forth. Nets held the lead through much of the second quarter. Thunder retook the lead in the third and did not look back at that point. Uh, for the Nets, they were led by Mikael Bridges again, who has continued to be impressive, scoring the basketball for Brooklyn, thirty-four points for him. We got 23 from Cameron Johnson, the fellow former son, uh, 12 and 12, 12 points, 12 boards for Nick Claxton and 16 points, 11 assists for Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie has been uh, double digits and assists easily the last uh, three or four games. So that's really been a big factor for the Nets success. Meanwhile, for the Thunder, the winning team in this game, 35 points for Shea Gilders-Alexander, as you'd expect, 24 and nine rebounds for Lou Dort. 23 and 10 rebounds for Jalen Williams. That's L-E-N Williams, a rookie. And a triple-double for Josh Giddy. 15 points, 13 rebounds, and 10 assists. Uh, before we move on, there's some intrigue with all of those teams as far as playoff-type position and play-in position. Is there any comments you want to add as far as these teams and what they did in these games, or uh, should we jump to that next game? I've really enjoyed watching the Thunder play. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be something that you wouldn't expect me to say, but the, it seems like their whole team is just a bunch of young bucks that can dunk on anybody and can score and can pass. And they, they're always flashy. They don't win a whole lot of games, but it's, they are a pretty fun team to watch. And I think that if they had a few more pieces lock in, I think they could be really good. Mm-hmm. It'll be That's- exciting for them when Chet Holmgren comes back. Um, yeah. Other than that, I think, Brooklyn fell apart. They've always had issues. They're just going to continue to have issues. Cam mm-hmm. Thomas did not have a very good game, but he only played for three minutes. So, right. I don't know. I just, I, I guess everybody at the beginning of the season got their hopes up for Brooklyn. And then the team fell apart and had issues. And 
the tumor of Ben Simmons has been stuck there. And so I think they're just going to struggle until they find a way to get him out of the league or. I don't oh, know. Ben Simmons. I hope he, I don't imagine he listens to the podcast at this point, but um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it, that's a weird situation in itself. He's now absent from the team coincidentally alongside the Durant Irving trade. I mean, kind of a bizarre situation, but the Nets have held ground, you know, with all of that going on, I anticipate they'll still be able to fit into some sort of play in or playoff picture. Um, Would you like to hear uh, probably one of the sharpest takes you'll ever hear? Oh, okay. I'm ready. I think that Ben Simmons might be the greatest waste of potential that an NBA player has ever had and has ever been. Um, I, I, and let me, let me give a few reasons to back this up. Okay. So Ben Simmons comes into the league and gets hurt, right? He's out Mm -hmm. next year. I think he's hurt again, doesn't play a game. Third season. He has a fantastic season as a rookie. He almost averages a triple double. He's the the rookie of the year, even though he's been in the league for two or three years. He beats Donovan Mitchell in that competition, um, nearly makes the all-star team, makes the playoffs. The 76ers lose in the first round. They get upset, I think, by Toronto. You can fact check me. I don't know for sure exactly, but I know that they got beat. Next season, he's solid the entire season. There's all the comments about how he can't shoot, but he's still averaging like 25, 9, and 7, right? He's Mm -hmm. balling out. He's shooting terribly from the free throw line. Nobody cares because the 76ers are pretty good. He doesn't shoot threes. They're okay. Then they get into the playoffs. They start to win a few games. They fall apart again. Ben Simmons is kind of now too cool for school, right? He led the team. The rest of the team didn't stick with him. He can't play with Joe Embiid because they clogged the paint. So next season comes around. Ben Simmons just doesn't show up the whole season. Mm. Everyone's saying, where's Ben Simmons? Where the heck is this guy? He's not playing. And he says, oh, I have mental health issues, so I'm not going to play because there's too much pressure. Okay, that's fine. But then he tries to force his way out of Philadelphia and grab a huge bag, right? So he's healthy. He's choosing to not play. The entire internet is ridiculing him because he's not playing and he's a fantastic player when he does play. Mm. And he just refuses to shoot. After all this, he forces his way out of Philadelphia and onto a loaded Brooklyn Nets team. The hope is going to be, oh, this guy's going to play. He's going to ball out. He's going to be a good fit with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. We can just use him as a slasher. He'll dunk on everybody. And the exact same thing happens. He has the same comments he got before. Oh, he can't shoot. He doesn't fit well with other superstars. He can't play defense. He just chooses not to play hard. Mm. And I think that got to him and the – The Nets obviously had some chemistry issues because their team fell apart. There was controversy around Kyrie Irving and controversy around Kevin Durant. They, the superstars choose to leave and you think, all right, now it's going to be his time to shine, right? This is what he wants. He wants a team full of nobodies where he can stand out and have his 30 points a game. Hmm. And he's not even the best player at his position on their team. Right. Spencer Dinwiddie is falling out. Michael Bridges has really shown up since being traded. Mm-hmm. Uh, Royce O'Neal has been playing good. And so they they have a forward-loaded team, and he just doesn't fit with them, and so he chooses to not play even on a team where, theoretically, he's the most talented player. Mm-hmm. 
And so I just, I've been extremely frustrated with Ben Simmons for a long time. And I hope that he gets better or they just cut him from the league because he's a complete waste of money. And he doesn't ever, he has never benefited a team that he's been on in a real meaningful way. And the fact that he chooses not to play, even though he's paid a ridiculous amount of money is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I worry about the ego and the attitude and the mental health, all of that combined, I think just makes him a horrible liability for a team to have that just cut him. Right. Well, there's, there's a lot to unpack with that. I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of elements to that take and I would agree with a good portion of it in the sense that, you know, he has underperformed the potential he has. You think of his size and his skill set raw coming into the NBA you know, it looked like a home run pick. And in some ways he has delivered on that in the sense that he's been an all defensive type of player, a candidate for defensive player of the year. You know, his elements of his game that were the strongest when he joined the league got stronger in some senses and he, you know, fulfilled potential in those aspects. You know, it's interesting because there's, you know, a lot of pieces to that puzzle and who knows if, uh, he's out of the league within a couple of years. If he suddenly figures it out and becomes a multiple time all-star, I mean, we don't know what the future is for Ben Simmons. He has the tools like you're talking about. He has the tools and the potential, the physical build to be that incredible player. You know, the ball's kind of in his court in that regard. Um, you know, maybe there's things getting in his way. Maybe he's getting in his own way combination of both. It's hard to say. Um, one thing I will say, you know, as you're talking about it, I was thinking, you know, what is the fit? What is the scheme in which Ben Simmons, his skills and his size translates to a an all-star again or a superstar, you know, positionally, system-wise? And at first I was thinking Magic Johnson in the sense of, you know, a guy that can't shoot very well, who's tall and likes to, you know, be a point guard. But I was thinking about it more, and you know who I think is should be the archetype as far as if he approached it like, okay, I need to rebuild my career and you know use what I have to become an all star. You know who I thought would be the archetype for that? Who do you think he should try to emulate? Giannis. I mean, yeah. he's not as tall as Giannis, and on, at this point, not quite as athletic, especially if he's had some health concerns. But he's still very mobile. The length and the 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 height as well can he could I think the you know road for him as far as if he gets serious and gets whatever he needs to become an all-star type player again and maybe even a superstar if that's within the cards it would be you know Giannis light in a sense of a defensive guy you play him at more of like a power forward because he's got that height defensive guy who can score inside but then the question is, does he want to score? And that's, again, it's just kind of up to him. But you, you bring up a lot of great bo- points with Ben Simmons. And that's a unique part of this Nets, you know, future with their current core of players. But anyways, hopefully we haven't, we, we've done it again, Justin. We've gone on at length about the Brooklyn Nets. And <laughs> it had been a few weeks since we'd done it, but we we couldn't help ourselves, I guess. Yeah, I I have a, uh, his scouting report pulled up for when he was in college at LSU. Um, and some of his strengths and weaknesses have been pointed out, but it's, it's kind of incredible how accurate this is even to this day. Mm. Um, 
as far as weaknesses go, it says any conversation about weaknesses starts with his jumper. He shows very little confidence in his shooting ability and his opponents have taken notice. Defenders will sag in and attempt to take away the drive, bait him into pulling up. Simmons would often pass on open jumpers and either give up the ball or try to force a drive. Mechanically, he shoots on his way down and will no doubt have to make adjustments if he makes it to the NBA. Executives must decide whether he'll choose to improve and if not, how it will affect or bring down his NBA valuable or his value. Defensively, his effort was visibly poor at certain times. He didn't contest inside shots. A below average seven foot and one quarter inch wingspan does not help his cause. A disaster finish to the year. Oh, got an ad from Bleacher Report. And the most important part of this little tangent that I've been on, I think, is the final note, which to me is really impressive considering this was made, you know, six, seven years ago. I mean, it says a disaster finish to the year also raised some concerns about his competitiveness. During losses, particularly their last one of the season, they lost by 33 points to Texas A&M. Ben Simmons looked disinterested and indifferent, which may be a turnoff to general managers who value intensity and killer instinct. And I think that comment right there, Simmons looked disinterested and indifferent, is something that you have been able to see if you've watched the NBA close enough and tried to pay attention to him. It feels like when he's winning, cool. When they're losing, don't care. There's 82 games, whatever, big deal. And I think that's the wrong mindset to have if you want to be an all-star caliber or a superstar caliber player. You have to win. Winning is the thing that needs to drive you. Otherwise, the length of the season and the the physical endurance on the body will just drive you nuts and take you out. Mm-hmm. And if you can't handle the heat, I guess just get out of the kitchen. Yep. So if you're, if you're unwilling to play hard and unwilling to win, if I was a GM, I wouldn't want you on my team. Yeah. yeah they, you know, it's – it. I'm glad you brought that up because there's this tendency for us in, you know, the sports fandom, whether it's NBA or NFL or something else to look at these instances where GMs and scouts miss on a player and really latch onto those. Like, how could you not see this guy? But more often than not, I mean, there's a reason there's professional scouts and general managers, you know, more often than not, they are aware of, you know, what makes a player great and what will contribute to their success. And that's a prime example of, you know, back then they knew exactly what kind of a player Ben Simmons would be and what he would need to, you know, translate that into being a real star type player. So thank you for being out. It's a great point. And again, it continues to this day and it's about, you know, his drive and his desire to, you know, not just be a player in the NBA and not just make money. And, but honestly though, from our perspective, if you could just play basketball and have that natural talent and not really worry about if you're winning or losing and, you know, maybe you have some health issues, you sit out some time and then, but you're still able to make millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars playing basketball. You know, it's hard to say that, you know, we wouldn't, you know, any of us really would, wouldn't feel just content with being able to play the game we love and making a lot of money doing it. You know, it takes a real competitive fire to be driven to be an all-star, a superstar, an MVP. And sometimes we kind of take that for granted with the best of the best, you know, what that takes at that next level, especially in today's era. So anyways, very long form discussion on Ben Simmons. I think it's certainly valid. You know, 
with him out, sometimes it's very easy to ignore him and just say, okay, here's what the Nets look like right now. But that's a big part of their puzzle, you know, and that's kind of gets us into some preview talk of, you know, what as we come up on the offseason for some of these teams that may or may not make the playoffs, what the process looks like for them going forward. So it was a longer tangent, but Justin, I think it was valid and I think it was productive. So I appreciate you for bringing that up. Thank uh, you very much. I appreciate <laughs> the compliment. <laughs> yeah. Um, just a quick comment back on what we had originally talked about as far as those kind of group of teams with those last few games, as far as their playoff outlook. I'm I'm excited to see, even though I'm usually not a Lakers fan, I for their sake, I'm happy to see that Anthony Davis has really picked up the load in LeBron's absence and has helped propel them into that play-in picture. Um, they're inside they're tenth right now as we're looking at it, so just barely in the play in picture, but they you know hold the keys to to that position. So uh yeah, I was happy to see that. Let's jump into those last few games. Firstly, the San Antonio Spurs winning at home against the Orlando Magic. Um there's a popular YouTuber who might call this tank bowl. Um I wouldn't go quite that far in the sense, you know, these are two of the low underperforming teams in the NBA, but the the Spurs went at home 132 to 114. They continue to make my take that I had a couple weeks ago look bad as far as the Spurs aren't going to win very many games to close out the season and and uh they're winning some games, so kudos to them for proving me wrong. Um but yeah, they I guess they you know, really did a blow to the, this is the NBA website speaking. Spurs deal blow to Magic's slim playoff hopes, quote unquote. Um so that's you know interesting to know. I don't think people anticipate the Magic making the playoffs this season, but I guess something's still worth paying attention to. Uh, yeah, the Magic led early. Spurs took the lead uh, early first quarter, and then they didn't look back. They led by as much as 19 points in this game. Uh, for Orlando, it was Paolo Bancaro, 27 points, six rebounds, on a par for the course there. 16 points, 10 rebounds for Wendell Carter Jr. and a bevy of guys in the you know 12, 13 point range. Uh, Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, and Maurice Wagner, most of them coming off the bench. Meanwhile, for the Spurs, uh, their rookie, Jeremy Sohan, 29 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, They also have 25 points from Zach Collins, a journeyman center, and 15 each for Devontae Graham and Doug McDermott. McDermott's points coming off the bench. He also had five of eight three-point shooting to get those 15 points. So nice win for San Antonio. Uh, let's real quick jump through those last two games. These were more some of the more notable games from last night's action. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks win in Phoenix against the Suns, 116-104. to 104. Uh, And in doing so, they become the first team in the NBA to clinch a playoff spot. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, the Suns held brief leads in the first quarter and fourth quarter. But overall, the Bucks, you know, controlled this game a little bit more than the Suns. And especially at the end, uh, they managed to come out with the victory. For the Suns, they were led by Devin Booker, his 30 points, uh, four rebounds, three assists, uh, 16 points from DeAndre Ayton, 11 points from Chris Paul, 13 off the bench for Cameron Payne, 12 off the bench for Jock Landale. Um, again, without Kevin Durant, it continues to be, you know, they're just a little bit undermanned because they gave up two of their better wings to get Durant, and if they don't have Durant, then they're just a touch undermanned compared to what they hope to be. Meanwhile, for Milwaukee, Giannis, 36 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, doing the honest thing. It's not too much crazy there. 14 of 24 from the free throw line. Wow. Uh, 21 points, 10 rebounds for Brooke Lopez. 
12 points for Drew Holiday, 11 each for Bobby Portis and Jay Crowder coming off the bench. So nice win for Milwaukee. And finally, the New York Knicks win on the wait, road. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, Before oh, you yeah. go on, I Sorry. have a note that's just fun for this game. Yep. Um, in the third quarter, Craig Torrey, or Torrey Craig, yeah. excuse me, took an elbow from Giannis and his tooth flew out. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, and so he ended up picking up his tooth and checking out of the game from that point, but I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, sorry, I, I was going so fast that I didn't give us time to, you know, get your thoughts, but... You're I, good, you're good. I just I just wanted to throw that in there. And He posted a picture on his Instagram of him at the dentist after the game, which I thought was kind of funny, so... Yeah, yeah we have... Sorry, Craig got his tooth punched out. We have, like, one of those every two or three seasons, and it's, from our perspective, it's like, oh, kind of funny, you know, loss of tooth, but in the moment, it'd be very inconvenient, you know, like, oh, geez... <laughs> Not only do I have the pain of losing a tooth, but I got to find the tooth on the core and, you know, figure it out afterwards. Got to go to the dentist or whatever. But yeah, kind of when, thank you for bringing that up. When I was in sixth grade during my middle school basketball, like in a tournament, I think mm-hmm. we were in the semifinals of a, like a round robin. And I inbounded the ball in a last second possession and the kid crashed into me and the ball hit me in the face and it just knocked out a bunch of my teeth. Mm-hmm. And so I have a, Related injury to Tory Craig getting his teeth knocked out. Unfortunately, mine wasn't by Giannis. I would have loved to have had my tooth punched out by Giannis Antetokounmpo, but it was a kid named Baylor, I believe. So Baylor, yeah. Now, you know, Jib, that's a quote. We should put that on a T-shirt. I would love to have my teeth knocked out by Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> that's a quote for the ages, make, right there. Make a quote post for our Instagram and have me in parentheses. There we go. Yeah, smiling in the idea. corner. We'll have to write that down. Good good idea. Um, I was going to also say, similar to your story, but a lot less dramatic, you said you lost a few teeth. I had one. It was just like PE, you know, oh, today we're playing basketball. And it was, you know, pickup games or whatever. And this guy was guarding me. And I think the same thing. Yeah, ball into my face. But it just chipped a tooth. So it really wasn't the same level. Yeah. But all chips of us are can nasty, though. Yeah, chips. It was... I, I think what happened, I like afterwards, I just like went on with the school day and was like carrying the, I don't actually, no, I don't think I had the little piece of tooth, but I was like showing people and it's like, oh, you should probably get that checked out. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good point. So I got checked out a little bit later than I should have, but I'm um, trying to play <laughs> oh, you it might wanna, You might want to look into the fact that your tooth is broken in half. And you're just like, yeah, it's cool. It's whatever. Yeah. I did the same thing. We're, we're going on tangents again, but why not? Um, we were playing like pickup outside at recess on like you know concrete cord and all that and i got you know running too fast for my own feet on like a fast break situation fell slid on the concrete and like you know busted up my whole elbow like not bone or anything but just really scraped up the knee and then i just went to class afterwards and just (laughs) was showing it off like trying to be all you know tough guy and like dude just go get that taken care of like (laughs) it's not that cool (laughs) so uh there's that's a tragic bronson alert and also yeah. probably could have gone on the instagram page kids are dumb could have yeah <laughs> at the time if that if we had um i mean instagram might have been like just barely starting at that point but um anyways we're, we're on a tangent again oh, apologies let's jump to that last game this is the longest game summary we've ever had uh the New york knicks win in portland against the trailblazers 123 to 107 uh, despite a big game from Damian Lillard. Trailblazers led until the third quarter. 
Then the Knicks led for the rest of the game. Uh, pretty straightforward there. The Blazers, 38 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists from Lillard. 22 from the recently returned Anthony Simons. That's good to see. 10 and 10 for Nurkic. Excuse me. Uh, 15 points for Matisse Seibel, along with three steals. I'm glad to see him starting for Portland. Meanwhile, for the Knicks, uh, 26 points, 10 rebounds for Manuel Quickly, still filling in for uh, Jalen Brunson with his nagging foot injury. Uh, 24 points, 10 rebounds for Randall, and 20 points for Archie Barrett. Josh Hart also had a really nice game off the bench. 16 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, and 3 steals. Uh, they also had 18 points for Miles McBride off the bench. So a nice all-round game for the Knicks. And that takes care of our game summaries. All eight games, we got through it. Uh, congratulations to us. So let's go ahead and <laughs> real quick, we'll spend a lot less time on our key news here. We have a few items for you. Some of them are pretty important. Uh, first, we have another update on that whole uh, John Morant situation that we've talked on and off about for the last couple of weeks. Uh, so this day or today, rather, we had a big update on that. So the NBA has officially reached a decision on on that situation with John Morant, the whole Instagram live and everything that's followed with that. Uh, so the decision is that he's going to be suspended eight games without play. Now, that's actually going to be retroactively applied to when the incident first occurred. So he's already served some of that uh, suspension. So that's something worth noting. He's already you know, served some of those games, but he has a couple more that he'll still need to uh, set out. Uh, the decision comes after Morant uh, concluded that counseling program he entered a few days ago uh, in Florida. And he also held a meeting this morning with uh, the NBA's commissioner, Adam Silver. Um, so with all of that, the net outcome is he's expected to return to play within the next week or so. So that's really good news for Memphis. Um there's also a side note with this. Joe Morant also recently sat down with ESPN's Jalen Rose to do a one-on-one -on -one interview, talk a little bit more candidly about what exactly has gone on, his process um, as he's approached kind of, you know, moving towards a better situation for himself and the team. Um, so if you want to check that out, I haven't had a chance to really see the interview, but I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, two former players, you know, or, or a former player who is a great player in his own right and a modern day superstar. I'm sure it's a great conversation uh, so I definitely recommend checking that out if you want to get any more updates on, you know, his exact situation. Uh, before I move on without even looking at Justin, Justin, is there anything you wanted to add to that before we jump into more kind of standard news stories? There's a lot that I could say about John Morant. Um, but first and foremost, I think that he just needs to surround himself with better people. Mm -hmm. Right. He's, He's obviously one of the most entertaining and franchise-worthy players in the entire league. And he keeps in acting, in Charles Barkley's words, like a damn fool. He's got to stop acting like an idiot, especially when it comes to guns and acting like a thug, right? Like his net worth is something like $220 million right now, and he's like 23 Right. Mm. He's, he's he's not a thug in the hood. And even if he grew up as a thug in the hood, I don't know if he did or not. Right. Like he he needs to surround himself with people that will help him to act responsibly and act like a, a conditioned adult because someone in his situation could throw away an awful lot of future um, if he continues to act like a damn fool. Mm. Um, you can think of historic examples of players that kind of pulled dumb shiz like 
he did, right? If you think about Gilbert Arenas, mm. Gilbert Arenas was a baller, decided to bring a gun to the locker room, and it ruined his career. I hope something like this doesn't happen because I love watching Jaw play, but yeah, he's got to shape up. He's got to he's got to get better and get some good people around him so that they will help mm. him to be better as well. Yeah. Well, and I think um, that it's good to see, you know, I don't know if Gilbert Arenas really ever had the opportunity to um, get help from his team as far as working towards things like counseling, you know, that might've happened, but I think, you know, jaw is blessed to be in an opportunity where he will get, you know, if he's willing to do the work, he will get the help as far as, you know, moving on from some of these more immature things that we're talking about and figuring out how to be, you know, productive and professional and those types of things. Um, One quick other comment before we move on. I forget who talked about this, but there was a former player, uh, I think NBA, but it might've been another sport who was talking about to think about athletes need to think about it as, you know, when they get drafted, they're now the owners of a fortune 500 company. I forget who exactly said this, but the fact that they're blessed with so much wealth immediately, I, they've earned it. They have that athletic talent. They've played, at high levels, high school, college, international. Now they get a chance on the big stage. They've earned that money, but it's also an incredible amount of money to deal with and it can be overwhelming. And so uh, it's good to see that, you know, he's, it seems pretty sincere that he's going to be, you know, looking to mature and develop from this whole situation. Uh, And it'll be good to see him back on the court. That's really the big thing. Um, Let's jump on to our next news. This, this other stuff is a little bit more uh, mundane, but this first one's, you know, we just wanted to take note of the playoff updates. We have some updates as far as, you know, uh, clinching spots, being eliminated, that kind of stuff. Our first round of updates on that. We mentioned the Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are the first team to officially clinch a playoff spot. So that's just playoffs as a whole. They're going to be in the playoffs. Likely within the next couple of weeks, they should clinch their division and or potentially clinch the top seed. So we'll keep you posted on that. Meanwhile, three teams have officially been eliminated from playoff contention. Mathematically, there's no chance they'll be able to make the playoffs. That is the Detroit Pistons, the Houston Rockets, and the San Antonio Spurs. It's not a huge surprise because, you know, they've been some of the worst records in the NBA. We kind of anticipate that. Those are teams building for the future anyways, um, but it's now official. So we thought we'd mention that. And we'll talk more playoff stuff in just a moment. Real quick, let's jump through the rest of the news. A few injury things. Firstly, for the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving will miss their third straight game, uh, both of them missing their third straight game uh, tonight in San Antonio as they continue to deal with their own uh, minor day-to-day type injuries. Uh, For the Timberwolves, good news. Carl Anthony Towns is expected to return within the coming weeks. He's missed most of the season uh, dealing with a calf injury, so that'll be good to see him back. And uh, our last injury news, for the Warriors, Andrea Guadalla will be going undergoing surgery on a wrist that he fractured in Monday's game versus the Phoenix Suns. Uh, there's no timetable yet for that uh, injury and that surgery recovery, uh, but we'll certainly keep you updated on that. Finally, uh, we mentioned yesterday from Monday's game that Bucks kings uh, physical altercation at the end of the game Trey Lyles, Brooke Lopez. We have some updates on that from uh, NBA offices. They, the, uh, let's see here. Trey Lyles <clears throat> from the Kings has been suspended one game without pay. And Brooke Lopez of the Milwaukee Bucks has been fined $25,000 for their respective roles in that physical altercation. Uh, 
in Milwaukee's win in Sacramento. And that's our news. Justin, any comments on any of those items outside of the John Morant situation before we jump to the, the meat of our show, the playoff talk? Nothing really is. I think there is more to say. The draw thing is probably the biggest news. The rest of it is just kind of your regular day-to-day stuff in the NBA. Right. No, fair enough. We're we're good with that. Let's jump to the, the playoff previews. I don't have a ton of, you know, structured thoughts as far as what we do as a segment. I thought, you know, last week when I did this uh, segment, I focused on my, you know, kind of preview as far as how I thought things would shake out as far as the actual playoff picture. The NBA has updated their website today to actually start showing that playoff picture at the current moment um, as far as who would be in the play-in, who would be in the playoffs. And so I want to get Justin's thoughts this time around. Uh, Justin, of course, you go to that standings page, that playoff picture should be right there. I want to see your thoughts as far as who you think is going to still be part of this playoff picture. Maybe we focus play-in tournament. That'd probably be a bit easier. Play-in tournament, which of these teams do you think should you know, likely lock in a, play- a play-in tournament spot and which teams might be ousted uh, by another team that's on the outside? Let's Let's frame it that way. What are your maybe some preliminary thoughts on that? You want to know my thoughts on how it looks as of right now? Mm. For me, I think there are pretty, I think this is actually set up extremely well. And I don't think if I was the NBA, I would change much of this. Mm. Um, I really like having Milwaukee come in at the one with the option of playing either Washington or Toronto. Um, I'm guessing they're going to end up playing Toronto. Giannis is going to crush that team like he always does. They're going to move on. I bet out of the East, um, Cleveland and New York is kind of a fun matchup. Uh, Philly is going to kill Brooklyn if Brooklyn Mm -hmm. even makes it. And I think Boston is going to end up playing Miami. Um, Miami always plays well against Boston. They weren't able to pull it off this last year, but maybe Jeremy Butler will play with a chip on his shoulder, so that could be a fun series. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Milwaukee is going to beat either Cleveland or New York, whoever wins out of that series. Um, And in Philadelphia, I guess they'd end up playing the winner of Boston and Miami probably. So you'd end up having them play Boston most likely. So if you look at it from the East, you're going to probably have Milwaukee, Cleveland, Philadelphia, and Boston, which Mm. I think are exactly the teams you want coming out of the East Conference. Um, in the West, it's kind of surprising that Minnesota and Oklahoma City are in the play-in tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, however, all the teams are so close in the West as far as record goes that those could all swing, I think, very quickly. And so right. uh, the eight or the seven through the ten seed, I think, are all very adjustable. Right. Well, and that's kind of you know, especially where I wanted to lead in with this segment is that West play-in. You know, with the East, there is some intrigue still as far as, you know, some there's a chance a team like the Pacers or the Bulls could slip in where the Wizards are. You know, there's some movement there, but more so that West play-in tournament. And even, you know, sixth and fifth seeds to an extent, they're all very close in the mix, and these teams could be shuffled around quite a bit. And so, yeah, so are you anticipating, you know, this play-in tournament as it stands? Do you think it's going to be the same teams, or do you think there's a chance a team like Utah 
New Orleans or Portland, who are still kind of in that mix, do you think one of those teams has a chance to slip into this picture and oust one of these squads? Yeah, I think that's a very likely thing to happen. Mm. Um, like I said, there's like, what, 10 teams that all have a record of between 34 and 36 wins in the West. Mm. Um, I think that um, New Orleans probably isn't going to be able to punch their way into here. Mm. I think Utah could. I think Portland could. So maybe Utah and Portland will knock out Minnesota, Dallas, or Oklahoma City. And the rest of the teams, I think, are a lock. Gotcha. Okay. It's weird seeing the Kings as a two seed, though, or a projected two seed at the end of the season. That's something that I never thought we'd see. Uh, especially uh, since they haven't been good since 2004. So they've had a 19 year drought. Yeah. Um, I'm with you as far as I never, I didn't, you know, know if, what, if, and when they'd be able to get back um, for their sake, I'm super happy to see them that high and they should barring a totally unforeseen and unprecedented collapse should make the playoffs. Knock on wood. Um but yeah, great to see them there. And yeah, that West play in tournament, super intriguing. I'm kind of with you as far as, you know, those teams that are in it and the teams outside kind of feels pretty good as far as how it's aligned. And, you know, we might be getting to that point where some teams are going to start to solidify their position, but um, yeah, New I, I'd like to believe in new Orleans. You know, I know that you're probably not, you're thinking of the Zion Williamson injury, right? As far as, you know, that's really impacted their team. And I would agree with that comparing when they had Zion to without Zion, it's totally night and day and it's going to be a tough road, but I'd like to believe in Willie green and what he's done with that franchise as a, as a coach, but it might be tough, um, you know, in this kind of thick West situation. Um, And as much as I'd like to say Utah could make it in, I think it's going to be tough, especially with they've still got some injury troubles with their guards. They haven't been playing that great over the last few weeks. So I almost personally would be ready to say the Jazz probably aren't going to make it. Um, I'm saying this, of course, with my track record of recently, you know, complete being completely wrong about my takes. So the Jazz have no chance of making it. They, you hear me, basketball gods, they will not make it. Prove me wrong. Um, it's best I, to not tempt them. That's a good point. Yeah. Now that I've said it that way, they're gonna lose every game to close out the they, season. But they're gonna know better. The basketball gods are not to be trifled with. That's a good point. Shouldn't not, shouldn't try them like that. And yeah, Portland. I feel like Portland's sort of in the same situation as the Jazz. Jazz are a little bit overall team, a little bit better overall team. But Lillard is a better star than Markinen as far as that, you know, singular guy trying to push the team success. So I feel like those balance out. It's probably going to be pretty close to what it is right now. Minnesota, Dallas, Oklahoma City, L.A., um, probably somewhere, you know, similar to that mix, honestly. And again, the East, there's some intrigue, but we'll, of course, have, you know, continued updates as we get closer and closer to the end of the season, what this playoff picture will look like. Um, I guess that kind of takes care of it. Not really too much else i mean anything else you wanted to comment on with the playoffs and play in and situation like that before we jump to the the predictions part of the show i don't have anything else i'm excited for the playoffs though mm-hmm. 
Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be very intriguing. Again, broken record, but that West situation is super interesting to watch out for, especially once we get into the playoffs. Um, with that, let's jump to our weekly predictions. Um, as Justin mentioned, it's been a couple weeks where um, he, you know, time constraints hasn't been able to give us a prediction, but now he's back. He's got a prediction for us. And Justin, I'm excited to see what this prediction is going to be. Is it ultra hot fire take or is it, uh, you know, <laughs> just, oh, I'm seeing. <laughs> Here, here's what I have. All right. And it's, it's a lukewarm take and it, it doesn't necessarily contradict what I've said earlier, but mm. it isn't, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a hot take. Um, and here's what I've got. All right. The Memphis Grizzlies, in my opinion, are going to slowly collapse in on themselves like a dying star. And they're eventually just going to be an area of intense gravity and weight and will never expand. They're just going to fall apart. I don't I think they've had their peak and I don't think they're going to continue to get better, unfortunately, especially if they keep having issues with star players. I, I don't see them going any higher. So you're going with the um, pessimistic, in a sense, if we want to use that word, the view of, you know, that concern that maybe John Morant isn't able to overcome some of these things that he's been dealing with or that he's done over the last, you know, few weeks, the situation that's created with Memphis. Um so, you, so you're going with that version. It's interesting. I've been waiting for the week that we were going to be thinking on or we we're going to be, you know, related in some way in our predictions, whether it's the same prediction entirely or just, you know, talking on similar points. So if you're good, Justin, I'm going to go ahead and jump into mine because it ties into what you're talking about, but maybe not in the way you expect. Bring um, yours up, but I, I also want to say a few other things. Okay. Um, I like I said, right, every time I watch the Grizzlies, they just give me vibes of being, like, the the craziest, most rambunctious team in the whole league, right? They're a bunch of tough thugs. They pretend mm-hmm. to go hard. And they have Dylan Brooks, who is probably the most evil person who's ever played in the NBA. I can't prove it. But if you look at that guy's face for two seconds, you know he is evil. He's definitely 100% evil. Mm-hmm. So. That's those are all part of my reasons why I think they're going to slowly collapse on themselves. This Dylan Brooks being evil thing is a running dialogue with Justin. And I continue to not understand exactly what he means or why he says that, but he still has his opinion of Dylan Brooks. So um, with that, I'm going to give the reverse prediction in a sense. Here's my prediction. And again, I promise we just did these separate and they happen to be similar and related. John Morant will use these recent events as fuel and be this postseason's Luka Doncic compared to last postseason and what Luka was able to do, elevating his team. Um, that's my prediction. Again, we're on two totally different you know, takes. And this will be an intriguing wrinkle with our predictions. Uh, we've talked maybe in the past on the podcast or it could have been outside of the podcast, but we will do at the end of the regular season, some, uh, some wrap up, some recap, as far as our predictions, who was on the mark, who's way off with the predictions. And this will be a really interesting one to watch as we get closer to the playoffs and in the playoffs, you know, who's more correct as we get to the end. Is it Justin? Is it Karsten? Is it neither of us? Is it somewhere in the middle? That'll be really intriguing, but I'm I'm saying this prediction with the hope that he can 
and he can be a guy that, you know, overcomes some of his own mistakes to, you know, not only be better for his team and his, his city, but also take his play at an even higher level and, you know, be the catalyst full stop for a team. I mean, he has been much of the time already, but take it even further. I don't know. That's my kind of thought. Justin, that's kind of interesting that we are both thinking about the Grizzlies, right? Yeah. And I, I think it's kind of interesting that I generally take more pessimistic takes when it comes to basketball takes and you like to look on the bright side. Um, so it'll be fun to see who's more correct than the other, especially getting into the playoffs. You know, it's funny because I feel like our personalities outside of basketball and outside of the podcast are kind of the inverse where <laughs> you're a pretty, you know, lighthearted, uh, you know, easygoing guy. I can at times be a little bit more uh, stoic and maybe even a little bit uh, negative as far as, you know, um, my attitude with different things. So it's funny that with our predictions, we're kind of a flip flop in that. So. Yeah, maybe you just find basketball to be a much more happy, loving environment, and I find it to just be fun to bicker about. It's possible. Could be oh, one of those Also, two. Dylan Brooks is 100% evil. Like, there's no chance that he's not evil. See, I think I feel like what Justin's trying to do here is create some sort of meme, and uh, <laughs> it, it feels forced, at least he, to me. Just Google a picture of him and look at his eyes and look at, like, the way his mouth looks. Right, he could be Jafar from the movie Aladdin. You know, that's right. that's what it is. You just he, saw that he looks kind of like Jafar with the facial expression, and he, you've latched onto that. That's what it is. He absolutely looks evil. Every time I see him on TV, he doesn't look like a real person, and he has the worst flop of all time when he was in college. So, yeah, he's he's got to be 100% evil. There was a great um, thing I saw on Instagram today that was – a throwback quote from when he was in college at Oregon still. And he said something along the lines of when he was drafted by the Grizzlies, that he wanted to be the Grizzlies version of Draymond Green, which is pretty funny considering that they're now like, you know, they're comparable players. Well, they've got like beef with each other now more so than they're sort of similar in some ways, but also they kind of hate each other. So it's just kind of funny, you know, Maybe it's a case of don't meet your heroes. Who knows? But um, yeah, great one. Let's uh, let's wrap things up then. If we we've got our predictions, we've we've taken care of everything else. Um, we're going back not too far with our this day in history fact for you. We're going back to 2011, uh, March 15th of 2011. Javale McGee of the Washington Wizards blocks 12 shots in the 98-79 loss to the Chicago Bulls. Um, I picked this fact for a couple of reasons. Firstly, there wasn't a ton of crazy stuff that happened on this day in history. But also, you know, with all of the Shaq and the Fool and the jokes we have for JaVale McGee, we forget how unique and honestly pretty solid of a player he is with his athleticism, you know, some defensive prowess at moments, some rebounding. You know, he's an above average player in his best seasons. And so just wanted to give him a shout out. Shout out JaVale McGee. Uh, better players than most people would think. So that's nice my little comment. throwback too. JaVale McGee was actually in the same locker room that Gilbert Arenas was when he brought a gun. Oh, there we go. It comes full circle. So, yeah, so back to it. And good for JaVale for still being in the league. And I think he's got a ring or two now, right? He's He's got, yeah, a couple he's of He's turned them. out well. I think he won a gun contest. 
he was in a I don't know if I think he was in that Blake Griffin dunk contest where they kind of had the winner pick before the contest started. Um, <laughs> he jumped over the hood of a car. Yeah, that's he right. Didn't, 2011. He, he didn't even jump over the roof of the car. He jumped over the hood. Um, yeah. We we still love like Blake. He dunked two balls. That was yeah. yeah. That was crazy. And and again, that was Wizards days. I think it was that very same season. But um. No, yeah, he's won some championships with the Warriors. He's been a productive member of the Suns, and I think he's with the Mavericks this season, but he hasn't really done much this season. Um, but anyways, yeah, JaVale, shout out to you. And uh, that takes care of our show. A little bit longer than maybe either of us anticipated, but we had some great dialogue on some great points, so I think it was all worth it. Uh, Justin, any closing thoughts before we wrap things up? I'd just like to say thanks for listening, and please follow us on our Instagram. And- we are extremely grateful that we had the opportunity to get to talk to you about basketball. And Carson, thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Pleasure to have you. Yes. If you want to check out the Instagram page, crossover across time, all one word on Instagram, we share content from the show along with doing our best to share content from across the NBA. So it's a great place along with the podcast to stay up to date on the NBA as a whole. Uh, with that for tomorrow's show, we'll do our next franchise focus. This time we'll talk about the Toronto Raptors. Uh, So stay tuned for that, along with our normal game summaries and key news. Uh, Thank you all again for listening, and we'll be back with you on tomorrow's show.